All rise. All rise. The Honorable Chief Justice and, and Associate, Associate Justices, Justices of the Supreme Court of the Court of North All Carolina. All of our citizens across the state depend upon us to uphold and protect both the spirit and the letter of the law and to always apply the law fairly and impartially to every litigant who comes before this court. God save the state and this honorable court. Hello and welcome to All Things Judicial, a podcast of the North Carolina Judicial Branch. I'm Chris Mears with the Judicial Branch Communications Office. In this episode, we listen to a 2001 interview with Dr. Norman Adrian Wiggins. Dr. Wiggins earned his law degree from Wake Forest College School of Law in 1952. He went on to earn a Master's of Law and Doctor in the Science of Law from Columbia Law School. From 1967 until 2003, Dr. Wiggins served as president of Campbell University. In 1976, Wiggins founded the School of Law at Campbell University named in his honor, the Norman Adrian Wiggins School of Law. This interview is part of the Chief Justice's Commission on Professionalism's historical video series. Dr. Wiggins was interviewed by Mel Wright, the Executive Director of the Chief Justice's Commission on Professionalism. Mel Wright speaks first in the interview. Dr. Wiggins, thanks for being with us today. Delighted to be here, Melton. Thank you for coming. Dr. Wiggins, when did you first decide to become a lawyer? Well, you know, I don't know that there was uh, anything like the Damascus Road experience of Paul, but it uh, developed in the First Baptist Church over in Burlington, North Carolina, where I uh, attended uh, from the time, I guess, that my father could carry me there until I left there to come down to Campbell to study. And my, uh, uh, my church was, was really filled with lawyers. Uh, they were my Sunday school teachers. They were superintendents in the school. They were, uh, a couple of them were teachers for my father. One was a distinguished judge, a Superior Court judge, maybe one of the most distinguished in North Carolina. I'd have to say that my interest in law evolved out of the, my relationship with those people in a church setting, and uh, I tended to look on law as being uh, synonymous with Christian service, and so I guess it came from there, and uh, it tended to grow as I associated at other levels in the Marine Corps and other places with uh, good Christian lawyers, uh, and uh, I came to have an appreciation for the people who were lawyers and for the profession itself. We know from your resume that you went from Campbell College to Wake Forest Law School. When you finished law school, where did you choose to practice law, and why did you choose that location? Well, I don't know how the lawyers felt about it, but uh, for those of us who were working closely with the lawyers, I thought it was an ideal time to be in the practice of law. Lawyers still were, at that point in time, were still the stalwarts of society in the sense that they had a great influence on what the communities were going to be or were. And they did a lot of charitable work. We talk about pro bono work today. Pro bono work was known to them and accepted as a fact back in those days. 
the bar, uh, the bar was a little smaller than it is now. And those people uh, tended to know one another. They had mutual respect for one another. Uh, there were some lawyer jokes back in those days, but uh, they were jokes, really. And people highly respected the lawyers of the community. And I was in an area where you had people like uh, Battle Winslow and Merrill, the Thorpe brothers. Uh, over in Enfield, we had uh, Joe Branch. We had back in Rocky Mount, uh, Stronach Wilkinson and Mr. J.P. Bowen, just a group of outstanding lawyers. Tom Beal from the legislature was there. So I was dealing with people uh, at that level um, while I was working with the planners before the call came to go to Wake Forest. Did you have anyone at that particular time that you considered a mentor in your early practice? And do you think it's important for young lawyers today to have mentors? Well, I had several good mentors. Of course, uh, I never did lose my relationship with Dean Weathers. Uh, he was a mentor from the time I got into law school until the time I, until uh, uh, the time of his demise, really, because there weren't many things of importance I didn't discuss with him. I had a mentor in Dr. Beverly Lake, who was my advisor when I went up from Campbell. In fact, he became the advisor for uh, both of us. Uh, Millie and I went up together. We're from Campbell here. We met here, married here went up there as students, and Dr. Beverly Lake took over as uh, my advisor on the undergraduate level, preparing us for law school. And I'll tell you, he wouldn't let you take any easy courses. And uh, Then I met uh, Mr. Gilbert Stevenson, uh, the gentleman I referred to a moment ago, out of the trust business, a lawyer in his own right, a Wake Forest lawyer, Harvard lawyer, a man who uh, had real legal skills, a great writer, and before too many years, he and I became, uh, we became writers. I started working with him, assisting him in his writings, and then we became co-authors on some articles together. And so, uh, all in all, you take those people and put, uh, add on someone uh, such as uh, Justice Branch, who became Justice Branch. He was an attorney in Enfield at the time I knew him. And uh, these other people, Mr. Winslow and Mr. Battle and Mr. Herman Merrill, who was president of the North Carolina Bar Association, those kind of people tended to mold us in those days. They were mentors, good mentors, and told us what we ought to do, and we followed what they told us. Dr. Wiggins, do you see a difference between the practice of law today than when you began practicing law? Well, I think so. I think the one thing is that we have large firms today, and so those can be both a blessing, and I guess at times they can be a problem. We certainly practice law a little differently. The firms that we were acquainted with in those early days didn't have offices in Atlanta and Washington and places like that. Uh, but with the communications being what uh, they are today, the methods in, uh, of communications and channels of communication, we can conduct practices that way. Now, I think that's a blessing in the sense that our businesses today cross state boundaries and often they cross national boundaries and go into other countries. I think it's helpful. I think by the same token, when we get large firms, it's probably more difficult for the members of the firm to have that same sort of esprit de corps and friendliness that they had in the days when law firms tended to be smaller.
And as a result, do you see a difference today in the roles attorneys are playing in their communities than when you first began practicing? Well, I think, uh, and I, 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 attorneys do so much uh, for our nation today, even now, that they, uh, I would say regretfully that they, many attorneys are not as involved in the leadership of the community and setting the tone for the direction of the community as they seemed to be when I was coming along because we looked to attorneys more for that direction in my day when I was back in the, my church as I mentioned in the city of Burlington and we looked for it in the 50s when I got out of law school. We have plenty of attorneys who still render tremendous community service and a good deal of leadership but not to the same extent that we had it at an earlier time, I don't think. And so I do think there's been some changes there. Dr. Wiggins, what advice would you give today to students and law students about whether or not to make the practice of law their career? Well, I, don't, I guess I'm so enthusiastic about it that I wouldn't be a good one to advise. But uh, when you think about the fact that uh, Lawyers, uh, if you get beyond, if you'll pardon the expression, if you get beyond LA law and get beyond the TV, and these things have some things to teach us also, but if you get beyond that, you will find that lawyers are really the builders of society. They have been in past times, and they are now to much more than we uh, sometimes acknowledge. Also, I think they stand as a bulwark for those freedoms that we think are important and that distinguish this society. And I can't imagine anyone who doesn't mind working hard, and I, I put a heavy emphasis on hard work, uh, doesn't mind working hard and, doesn't, and wants to help people and he has a, a servant uh, attitude about him, servanthood attitude, I should say, I guess. I, I can't see why he wouldn't be attracted to the law because the law still offers all of those possibilities and if you go where I have been in the last 20 years around the world, literally, because I go to Malaysia every summer and we travel around to other countries, and you see what we have that those countries don't have, you have to know that the law is responsible for a lot of the good things that we enjoy. And a lot of those countries are not prospering to the degree that they would and do not have the freedoms that they, we enjoy because the lawyers have not taken that role in those countries. And I can state that fairly clearly about the Russian society where I went with uh, one of my colleagues here from the law school, Dr. Buzzard, and some other lawyers to help uh, educate the people who were going to take over when Yeltsin took over the government over there and to try to bring democracy to Russia. And I saw it explicitly in those cases. And Yes, I can't think of anything that's more thrilling uh, or something that you could give your life to uh, for which you could have a greater passion than the study of law. Dr. Wiggins, after being at Wake Forest Law School for approximately 11 years, you decided to come back to Campbell University as president. Can you tell us why you decided to make that move? Well, I was not an easy decision. I was very happy where I was, and I, I suspect that the people who were on the 
Presidential Selection Committee would tell you that it took a long time for me to come to that decision. But uh, I had uh, come to Campbell right out of high school. I had been here as a scholar, uh, athletic uh, scholar, you might say, or an athlete who had a scholarship uh, to come to play football, basketball, and baseball. I met my wife here after I had gone off and served a tour in the Marine Corps. And uh, Campbell was here in eastern North Carolina, and uh, they were needing to uh, fill a vacuum uh, that had been created when Wake Forest moved to the knolls of Forsyth out of from the great forest of Wake, as we like to say. And uh, it seemed proper after about two months of very serious prayerful consideration to come here uh, and see what I could do. And I felt so secure where I was that I told them that I would come and stay five years and after five years, I would go back into the uh, teaching profession where I thought I was called to be. Dr. Wiggins, after being back at Campbell for a period of time, we know that you started a law school here. Uh, can you tell us how that concept evolved and what went into the decision to create a law school at Campbell? Well, well let me uh, say, uh, uh, at since you've asked that question, put on record so all will understand. I didn't come here with an idea of starting a law school. I didn't think about it. It wasn't a part of the plan that we had. Actually, the law school came about as a result of a number of people saying that North Carolina needed another law school. We were, we were underserved in a lot of places in North Carolina. And uh, I had a number of legislators and other influential citizens of the state, including some uh, presidents of both private institutions and public institutions who indicated they thought that the law school should be started here, located close to the capital city, and that uh, we had a mission to fill in this part. Of, and we took as our mission, one of our missions, to uh, put uh, lawyers in underserved uh, areas. Uh, and there were some underserved areas in North Carolina, and there still are. But we have done a job to... Uh, putting a, a good job, I think, in putting uh, young lawyers in those areas and enabling them to offer legal services to people at a, uh, a, a fee that they can afford. And uh, we're very pleased with it. And I'm just grateful that we went forward with that plan when we were encouraged to do so by so many people. Dr. Wiggins, when you began the law school at camp, were the elements of professionalism uh, such things as civility and ethics and honesty and integrity and pro bono service and public service, were those elements that you thought were important to the curriculum here at Campbell Law School? Let me say this. We decided that the Campbell's Law School, if it were going, we had three good law schools, and we decided that Campbell Law School were going to really serve. It had to fill a different niche, and we thought there was a niche open, and we decided that we would build a a law school that would be new and in some respects would be different and we'd superimpose upon the traditional curriculum of uh, a law school uh, additional studies that would uh, give uh, graduates a greater state of readiness when they went out and we decided also that we would try to help these graduates have an understanding and appreciation for the majesty of the law, the dignity of the law 
And we said as part of our differences, we wanted to let the law school curriculum and the study program be built around our belief on the divinity of Christ, our dedication to the Constitution, which we are the, uh, greatly dedicated to both in the, the law school and in our undergraduate programs in government. And we wanted it also to be built on the idea that man is uh, a not a creature of the state, but a creature of God, and that uh, we ought to have concern about the individual as a creature of God, as opposed to being a creature of the state. And I didn't know it at the time, but after having visited in Russia and a, no, a number of other places, I realized that those were fairly good foundation stones. Dr. Wiggins, judges have always been held in high regard in the legal system, as well they should be. Do you think that they are an important part of the professionalism movement today? I, I don't know anyone that can uh, do better uh, for our profession than judges speaking out on the matters and the need for professionalism. I happened to come up in a church where one of the distinguished judges was Judge Leo Carr, the Superior Court. And of course, my longtime teacher and personal friend, Judge uh, Beverly Lake, uh, was on the Supreme Court after he left the law school and some other jobs as attorney general, uh, positions as attorney general. So I, I, and I've been close to judges uh, for a long, long time. I think they speak with authority. I think they are people who are respected or they wouldn't be in the judgeship position that they hold. I think the people in the public generally have great confidence in them. That uh, is true in North Carolina, I'm sure, and I think it's true most all places. They're people known for impartiality and their, uh, their seriousness about matters of ethics, and they're the people that uh, can really teach professionalism uh, when they're off that bench and when they're on that bench, because they have to practice it in the courtroom and teach it when they're uh, out of the courtroom. Dr. Wiggins, what advice do you give to third-year law students when they get ready to go out and begin the practice of law? And what advice would you give to young lawyers today about how to practice law? Well, the first thing I would want them to do is to have an attitude of service. I think law has always been characterized by people who would go the first mile of duty and the second mile of uh, service. Uh, and uh, I feel that these uh, young lawyers going out ought to go out with that sense of calling, if you will. I thought and still believe that I was called into the legal profession. Now, that may be old-fashioned for some people, but it's not for me, and I don't think it would be for them. If they can see the dignity and the majesty of the law and how it creates stability for our society, then they won't have any difficulty in going out and knowing that first they've got to work hard. Uh, you know, if you go back to the, uh, uh, the movie To Kill a Ma uh, Mockingbird, Atticus Finch didn't live in the largest house in the community, and he didn't have the best car in the community. But he sure knew how to hold up the principle in what I would consider to have been a bigoted society of that time. And he had to stand, and that's the way he won his uh, part of his compensation, was to be highly respected. Uh, I believe it was Reverend Sykes in the 
To Kill a Mockingbird, it told the little girl, Louis Jean Louise or Louise Jean at, at the time, said, stand up, uh, honey, your, uh, your daddy's passed. Uh, that's pretty good. That's pretty good. Absolutely. Dr. Wiggins, when you remember certain men and women that you considered great lawyers, what was it about them, in your opinion, that made them so outstanding? Well, I think their sense of service has always distinguished uh, the people that I've known. Every person I've known who's been a mentor to me and the people I've been associated with from the time that I was in Sunday school to the present time, the one thing that seems to stand out in all of their lives, not only a high level of attainment and scholarship, these are people who are really truly great scholars in their own right, but they have a sense of calling, a sense of service, and the idea that they are going to go out and make society a better place. And uh, these are the kind of people who do uh, do this. If you don't have a passion for law, you've got to have a passion for something in life. Uh, you can't have too many passions. If you do, you'll kill yourself. But if you have a passion for law, and you know the background of the law, you know it's about having an orderly society and we settled things by way of law instead of fighting it out on the battlefield. And uh, that's a great mission. Dr. Wiggins, you've been truly remarkable in your service to others. And this may be a, a tough question for you, but what do you consider your greatest contributions and achievements? Well, I think it's a but they're the same as probably any other who is a teacher. I don't consider myself as an administrator. I consider myself as a teacher on leave doing administrative work. But in the course of doing administrative work, which is a high calling in itself, I think I have the opportunity to help young people who otherwise would not have access to Campbell University or some other school. I think we have to uh, go the the second mile in trying to help our faculty members be able to afford, they can't make what they can make outside, but be able to afford to stay here and teach and, and commit their lives to this, knowing full well that in so doing that perhaps materially speaking, they will not do as well, but from the standpoint of the enjoyment of the journey that they uh, they'll get a great deal of enjoyment and, and live a full life if they stay and serve other people. And I think serving other people and making education available, if I have done anything, I'd like to think that uh, maybe those two things would constitute those things that I consider very important. You've been listening to All Things Judicial, a podcast from the North Carolina Judicial Branch. You can find out more about the Judicial Branch by visiting nccourts.gov. If you like our podcast, please share it with a friend and give it a five-star rating and review. Your help is essential to sharing the important work of the Judicial Branch. I'm Chris Mears with the Judicial Branch Communications Office, and I'm reminding you to keep all things judicial. Thanks for listening.